Dolphins fans, Dolphins fans, Dolphins fans, welcome to another episode of the, of the Scouting Combine. Brandon Lagori, and as always, it's a pleasure to welcome in Usam Patel. Usam, we have a pretty good comparison that we're going to be discussing here tonight. We have probably two of the best wideouts in this upcoming draft class. But before we get started, how's everything been, buddy? Um, I'm doing good, man. I just got my COVID vaccine today. My arm's feeling a little bit sore. I can feel some stuff coming in. So, you know, the vaccine shipment is getting out. But other than that, man, um, you know, it's the weekend. I've been doing good. How about how about yourself, man? You know, same same old. We're, I mean, I'm, March is the best time if you're a college basketball fan. You know, you know, but also it's just another week closer to the to the NFL draft. Selection is Sunday is a week away. Selection Sunday for college basketball is exactly one week away from from tomorrow. So, who are you rooting for, Brandon? Who are you rooting for? Who am, I, who am I rooting for to win to win it all? Yeah, or just a fan of any team. Well, Florida Gulf Coast is not in it, so that's so that's that's kind of a that's kind of an an, an option that I can pretty yeah. much out. But honestly, neither I mean, is FIU here, man. <laughs> um, honestly, you know, Gonzaga's looking. Gonzaga's one of those teams. You know, they they score a hundred a hundred points a night, even though they're not really in maybe the SEC or one of the or one of the top conferences in college basketball, but. I've watched some of their games and they look they look pretty dominant. But also, don't sleep on Michigan though. Jawan yes, Howard, I was gonna say that. Do not sleep on Michigan. A lot of a lot of people are kind of surprised how Michigan's been dominating this season. I believe they're ranked second overall, and you you know their head their head coach was a former Heat player and assistant. He was, and I'm rooting for Michigan. But other than that, um, one of our former guests that was on here, uh, Anik Wahab, who's the Kansas City Chiefs fan, he's trying to recruit me to the Jayhawk fandom. Sometimes I may be rooting for the Rock Chalk Jayhawks. So go Jayhawks. But we're not talking about college basketball today. We're talking about football today. This is a football podcast. And I want to introduce our special guest here today. We have Angelo. Angelo, what's up, bud? How you doing today? I'm I'm great, man. Thanks for having me on, and I like the college basketball talk because I'm a I'm a former fighting Illini, so um, oh, we're, we're wow. looking we're looking hey, pretty hey, good, they man. Tough, uh, they pulled out a tough one today. They did, shoot, man. Yeah, no, yeah. it's a fun time to be a to be an Illini, that's for sure. But uh, yeah, thanks again for having me on, man. I'm excited to be here. Of course, man, and. You know, I've been following your stuff for a while, and you do some great stuff uh, on your website. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, for me, and like we talked about a little bit before the show, so I work in sport and human performance. So a lot of what I do on a day-to-day basis is working with different athletes and practitioners to kind of help problem solve and help them on their own field of play, whether it's like soccer, football, basketball, track and field. Um, but so that's kind of where all the basis of my um, – I guess, of my analysis kind of comes from. So it comes from my own personal experience, you know, as a coach and practitioner, as well as as an athlete myself in college. So that's, that's what a lot of what's on the website. A lot of it's just analysis on prospects um, like Justin Jefferson, Jerry Judy. And then this class, you know, guys we'll talk about today, man, like Jamar Chase and Devonta Smith, um, breaking down what those guys do really well. And if there's any hangups in their game and what to expect, from them at the NFL level and how we kind of view them as prospects uh, as a whole. So that's interesting because you give the performance evaluator side of it, whereas I, Brandon, I bring the scouts perspective as you talk about athletic performance. Let's delve right into it. 
So today we're going to be talking about the Devonta Smith and Jamar Chase debate today. And that's that's a hot topic among everybody in the NFL, especially the Dolphins fandom, since we really need a wide receiver. So when I watched the national championship right after the second half, before, you know, he hurt his hand, it really only strengthened my argument that he's the number one wide receiver in this draft class, in my perspective from the game tape I have seen in the All-22. It speaks for himself. He basically had an MVP performance in the national title game, and you don't see a performance like that in the Super Bowl unless you're godly. And the CFB has only been around for a couple of years, and you've never seen anything like that, and not even in the BCS National Championship either. And he's one of the first wide receivers since 1992 to win the Heisman Trophy. Now look, NFL teams don't care about awards and accolades, but this is a big deal. I mean, he was the top football player in college football, and he was a wide receiver. Not a quarterback, not a running back, not a defensive end, not a defensive tackle, not even a safety, okay? A wide receiver. And being a wide receiver, he is able to glide around the field like crazy and does so much damage in space. We talk about the space game, about how the passing game has shifted from throwing it up top, top letting your tallest guys catch it, to more smaller body, faster wide receivers, gaining that separation and becoming yak monsters. That's what the league has shifted to. You know, he's able to create separation against top defenders. You look at J.C. Horn, even in practice against Patrick Sertain II as well. And he can even catch the ball in traffic, high-pointing the ball with perfect execution. However, everybody, scouts, teams, fans, they're all knocking on him because he's lanky and he has a rangy frame, kind of like Marvin Harrison used to have as well but however he this is not a weakness for him he uses this to advantage to weave in and out against defenders and angle his tight corners as well you know you, you use basic physics and if you're a if you're a modeling and predictive analysis kind of guy you can take a look at his um, body weight and his measurement as well and angela you're a performance guy as well i think you can back me up with his body frame he can angle those tight corners really, really well, and the defenders won't, won't be able to contort their body to catch up with them. Am I right? No, yeah. I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head. Um, what we kind of call that in the industry is, you know, curved linear acceleration, right? So football is not an, a linear sport, right? There is, you know, so many different factors and facets that go into um, you know, being a football player on the field of play and getting from point A to B, you know, it's, it's never linear. So you're going through someone or you're trying to go around someone. I mean, we, we talk about engage versus evade. You're doing one of those two things on the field of play. So Devonta Smith in terms of being a curved linear accelerator and a curved linear athlete is unbelievable. He's an absolute unicorn when it comes to just that in general. And when I touched on him on the site, on his profile, and that was a big part of it, especially with him after the catch. And we saw, you know, in that game versus Notre Dame where he just, you know, took a pretty simple, pretty simple smoke. And then, you know, 35 yards later is in the end zone, you know, and three, four defenders were, were had good angles on him. So how does he do that, right? He uses his weight and his torque to his advantage because he's only, and the guy plays it under 170. Like, that's not a secret. 
Like he's six one, plays at under one seventy pounds, but he was the most dominant player in the most prestigious league in college football in the SEC. Um, so why? Like why is he that good? But he's the most versatile player um, in this draft at the position and and offensively as well. He's he can play inside or out X X Y Z. Um, did a lot of orbit motions out of the backfield, a lot of jet motions. Um, he's a guy that can play at all three levels and win at all three levels. So that's a really unique part of his game. Being a slider framed guy, as we would think, guys like that more so, let's say, uh, Will Fuller, Deshaun Jackson, early on in their careers, they were a traditional third level threat. Like we'll talk about with Jalen Waddle later on, but that's what we would think of Devonta Smith being. But he's a master craftsman, man. He he has the toolbox, the line of scrimmage to separate from anybody. There's a reason why, A, he didn't get pressed often because um, he beats press, you know, more efficiently than any receiver in, in college football. He's great against press man coverage, and Alabama yeah, defense has taught him well. He's playing the greatest conference you can yeah. ever play in college football, as you said. Um, now, riddle me this. Is he your number one wide receiver? So I have it two ways. So I have a, so on AGS, which is the grading system I created, Ascension grading system. So it tracks, um, monitors players when they come out as prospects, both analytically and on film from my own grading. Um, he graded out about a half a point below Jamar Chase. But for me personally, on, on film, he graded out number one by about a point or so. So it's a pretty, pretty short discrepancy between the two either way. Um, from the holistic grade, from the ascension grade, or from the film grade. Analytically, obviously, Chase has the best you know, analytic profile in this whole class um, at the position. But Devonta Smith, for me, had the highest film grade because I think he's going to be used as a true three-level threat and going to be someone who gets, who has a 150-target season. That's going to be him at the NFL level. Is he's going to be a guy who's going to get a ton of targets and touch the ball in a variety of different ways. And no one talks about how well-rounded he is on special teams as well. He's That's guy, right. Yeah, he's, he averaged, I think it was 21.7 yards per return, uh, punt return. Um, he's also a gunner on special teams, saving him on the pump block unit, helping out Jalen Waddle. I mean, the guy's a football player and he's going to be someone that an NFL organization falls in love with probably in the top 10. And he's someone that I would love. I'm a Chicago bears fan. I live up here in the North. Um, <laughs> uh, I would love if we could get our hands on him, but that's not, that's not going to happen. Hopefully we settle for, for Russell Wilson. So I'll say this. Um, there are a couple of people who are saying because of his length and his frames and I guess him not having caps, there are durability concerns. But as you said, look, he was a gunner. He played special teams. You need strength and speed. And you need to be versatile and athletic to do that. He has that. So I don't know what you guys are talking about. Okay. Brandon, Devonta Smith passes the eye test of being a true number one wide receiver. Give me your thoughts on him. Yeah, and you know, it was I, I was hoping one of you guys would mention it about about uh, Devont, uh, Devontae Smith. Remember 2018, right? Smith's sophomore season, he had a left-handed quarterback. Excuse me, 2019, his junior season, he had a left-handed quarterback throwing him the ball, right? And Usama and I knows that left-handed quarterback very, very well. But he still dominated the game, over 1,200 receiving yards and 14 touchdown scores. Now you flash forward to this past season, he had a right-handed quarterback throwing the ball, and that was Matt Jones. And what did he do? He put up almost 600 more receiving yards and nine more touchdown scores. So, Angelo, to your to to, to your point, 
and to Assam, to your point, I 100% agree. If if Jamar Chase gets selected above Devontae Smith, Devontae Smith should be probably the next pick after. I mean, this is not really going to be a wide and gap. These are two playmakers who can definitely catch the ball and who can definitely make big plays. We even saw Jamar Chase, who did opt out due to COVID-19 concerns. We saw what he did flashbacks even the 2020 National Championship game against Clemson, right? So Devontae Smith, and, you know, I'm glad Usam was able to touch on his film in the National Championship. I believe alone this past year against Ohio State in that finale, didn't he have over 200 receiving yards in the first half? He I did. Mean, that right there, yeah, so that right there could have really showed you why he's possibly, honestly, a top five draft pick. If not, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes top three. Now, the valuation of wide receivers is a different hot topic for another day, but let's not get into that. Um, on the flip side of my analysis of Jamar Chase, you know, um, I don't know if you guys have seen it on the Fin Maniacs website, but my scouting report is posted on there and my big board is being updated daily. So, Fin Maniacs listeners, go ahead and check that out on the daily. Jamar Chase's hands are elite, they are truly elite. And that's what made him stand out at, at LSU even more than current Minnesota Vikings, former LSU Tiger wide receiver, Justin Jefferson. Now, look, he opted out of COVID, as you said, Brandon. He didn't even play in 2020. And he could arguably be higher than Devonta Smith on other teams' board as a number one wide receiver in this class. This is why we're having this discussion today. He's an elite route runner. He can block, which is a plus. And he's a monster when the ball is in his hand. He's a yak guy like Devonta Smith. And he will elevate any offense, wherever he lands, any any of the 32 teams as well. While he's only six foot flat itself, he plays bigger than he is. His catch radius is enormous. He can play X, play Y, he can play Z, and he can run any kind of route. He is polished as they come. Now, what separates chase from this wide receiver class is his willingness is his willingness and strength as a run blocker as well more so than Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddle maybe even Rashad Bateman as well Angelo on your AGS scale how does that compare to Devonta Smith and how does that compare compare to current NFL receivers so right now and this is how it's going to stand um until post-draft. I mean, uh, Jamar Chase is in that Pro Bowl, uh, all-pro tier in terms of AGS score. So he has all-pro caliber upside, right? I think we know that. I think that's, you know, that's why he's projected to go to the Dolphins at three, is he is an all-pro caliber wide receiver. He's the highest upside receiver in this draft due to his age, inexperience, playing the position. Um, and he dominated, you know, with two other, well, gosh, that was five probably total first-round picks um, on that offense. And, you know, Burrow, Edwards-Hilaire, and you had Jefferson, Terrace Marshall as well. He's either going to be an early second or late first-round pick. And then um, Chase himself. So he has a lot of the attributes that you want in a number one wide receiver. He has that alpha, like the true my ball mentality. Um, he dominates Corson's physicality. I mean, if you want to watch a game um, to kind of see who Jamar Chase is, go watch the 2019 game. Um, him versus Trayvon Diggs and the, you know, the Alabama Crimson Tide, right? He, he bullied Trayvon Diggs. Yeah, I remember yeah. that game. Yep, yep. He, he controlled that game for four quarters, and that's who you're getting. Um, I don't think he has a ton of tactical and technical nuance to his game yet. Uh, he doesn't have a lot of variation at the line of scrimmage. 
Uh, he usually leads with a left foot led plant. So if he's, if he's planning, if he's on, on the left side of the field, he's going to probably run an in-breaking route. Like that, that's, a, that's what you kind of see from Jamar Chase. So there's some leverage tells. And then on the outside, too, if he's on the right side of the field. I was going to mention that. A, he's probably running an outbreaking route. He's more comfortable planning and, and cutting off his left foot. Um, it's it just – that's just some of the, I guess, tactical and technical net aspect nuance to the position um, that he doesn't have yet. I mean, it is the yet of that that we have to focus on. And he's a player that can obtain that. And once he does, he's going to be one of the best receivers in the NFL. He's not going to blow away with his speed. Um, I think he is a deep threat because of his ability to, to you know, to contort and, and you know, be a really, really good in-air athlete and, and make contested catches. And, you know, those 50-50 balls become 90-10 balls for Jamar Chase. So that's what it is for him. But I like him a lot. He's just a little bit. I think he's a little bit more raw than we think. Uh, I think it's going to take him time at the NFL level to acclimate to how these corners and DBs are going to play him because they're not going to get in a boxing match. You know, like this isn't, you know, 2008 when everybody was a press man corner, it seemed like. But now is a lot more zone, a lot more off man. Um, and he's going to have to learn how to be really patient within his routes and, and, and be a technician at the position. And once he does that, I mean, the sky is truly the limit, but I think we all have to kind of take a step back and know that this young man needs some time to grow and, and that's fine, right? Growth is fine. We're not expecting him to, to pull a Justin Jefferson. Season. He's what, 20? Yeah. He's a 20 year old kid. So it's, it, he, he's going to be growing. He can't even drink yet. So he's he has time to grow, man. And so I, I, I think he's a heck of a prospect and I think he has the highest ceiling at the position, but I think he does need some time uh, to get acclimated to the NFL level and, and how you know I was going to mention the planting of the foot and his impatience within his rounds because I saw it in um, a couple film as well, also, also along in the national championship game against Clemson as well. Um, I don't know why opposing quarterbacks didn't figure that out or even opposing defensive coordinators as well. You know, we saw them tr tr make you know, we saw the cornerbacks try and jam him at the line of scrimmage. And that was that's a knack on him for me personally, because, you know, they would try to bracket bracket him in coverage. And also, you know, it was interesting to see how he would handle against tough man corners um, as well. So he's able to find that soft spot in the zone coverage now that the NFL is more towards cover three, cover two, zone three, sky as well, and cloud coverage. Do you think he will be able to handle press man coverage in the NFL? Yeah, I think that I think he will because that's his strong suit, right? I mean, that, that's his profile. He's a physical, no-nonsense. He's a play-strength wide receiver, so that's what he is, right? He wants you to press him because he's going to bully you, and that, that's, his, you know, that's his safety zone. He's a good receiver, man. He just – the off-man and the zone coverage – um, defensive backs playing him differently. And that's the type of thing that is going to be a little different because he was never really the guy, if you like, as you will. You know, having Justin Jefferson, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, um, Terrace Marshall. I mean, if he goes to Miami Dolphins, it's, you know, you're on an island, right? And he's going to be a primary X receiver, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I think he, you know, like I said, he has a ton of room to grow, but it it's going to take time from the acclimate to being just the guy. I mean, uh, Parker and 
and and the rest of the crew and on Miami Dolphins receiving core. I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting to see if they do take Chase at three. You know what it looks like early on in his career in terms of what routes he's running, uh, the versatility there, and you know, what his tree looks like down the field. Now, Brandon, he, this is an interesting study between Devontae Smith and Jamar Chase. Give me your analysis on Jamar Chase and who do you think is a better fit for the Miami Dolphins? Now, what worries me the most about uh, Jamar Chase, who, num- number one, his size and his, his, his height and his weight is great, right? Because he's going to be coming into the league that's six foot and 208 pounds, right? So he probably weighs over 30, 35, even 40 pounds more than Devontae Smith. The only concern that I have for Jamar Chase is, remember, he hasn't had his last physical in-game comp- competition was that national title game against Clemson because since he, op- he opted out due to COVID – so not even considering or not even counting the 2021 preseason, let's say that there is even a, a, a full NFL preseason slate, Jamar Chase's first in-game action won't come until September 2021. So my biggest concern is, is he, is he ready for that, comp, for, that comp, for that competition, right? Because Joe Burrow, we saw, who was Chase's quarterback at LSU, he suffered a brutal injury. So you don't really necessarily want that to happen to, to Chase and being – being out of the game of, of uh, football for, for so long, what exactly is he doing to, to a prep? Because a lot of the facilities have been closed if you even look at March 2020 all the way to about early to mid-June. Now, to answer your second question about which, about which wideout would better fit Brian Flores, Chris Beer, and the, uh, the uh, Miami Dolphins, I honestly would take um, Devontae Smith because just, just because he's overall – just his game, you know, I, I – I take Devontae Smith to film. I take that 2020 contest against L- of LSU at LSU, and then I take the national championship at Hard Rock Stadium versus Ohio State. If that didn't really show Dol- Dolphins fans what Devontae Smith could do in a Miami Dolphins uniform, those two games itself really solidified for me. And just because Smith played in 2020, whereas Chase really did it, even though Chase, I'm not, I'm not saying that Chase, uh, they're, they're, they're both, it's both neck to neck, right? Like, like, like I had previously mentioned, if, if Jamar Chase gets selected, let's say at pick number five, Smith's going to get selected at pick six or seven. If Smith gets selected at pick three, Chase is going to get selected at pick four or five. But a better fitted for the Dolphins, the only con that I have on, on Smith is I would like him to put on some, some, some more weight. I feel like 170 is just, it's not really. It's not. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't really necessarily think it's NFL elite wide receiver number one ready type weight. But I mean, again, if he come, if he comes to the Dolphins, you can best believe that Brian Flores and Chris Greer will definitely get him in condition shape. So there's another Alabama wide receiver as well, and he's not as talked about in this debate. This guy, this guy is 5'10", 183, and he's a junior, not a senior. Now, could Jalen Waddle? be the number one wide receiver taken off the board if it's not the Miami Dolphins who select him? Angelo, give me your thoughts on that. Um, you know, it might be similar to how we saw Henry Ruggs being the first receiver taken last year. You know, that, that might be a big surprise to all of us because of the threat that guys like Waddle and, and Ruggs in terms of the role they play, what that brings to an NFL offense in, in conjunction to an you know, NFL defense and defensive coordinators, right? So that's what we got to look at. it. And for me, a guy like Waddle is, has Devin Hester type upside as a returner, right? He's the best returner since Hester at Miami um, coming out of college. And that's going to be, I think, for me, his primary role. He's, 
he's going to be a all pro caliber punt returner, but he's a much better receiver than a guy like Devin Hester was, right? It's more so that Deshaun Jackson type mold where that's the guy in the third level of the defense. Um, and that's the threat of Waddle. And there's a lot of things he does really well. He, he's, you know, he's really good in contested catch situations. Um, you can manufacture touches for him. But if you watch Alabama play, who do they manufacture touches for? Mostly Devonta Smith, right? Jalen Waddle would get, get some of them, you know, some of the orbits and things like that, the jet, mo- jet motions and touches. Um, but a lot of that goes to Devonta Smith because of all fishing he's with the ball in his hands. So it'll be interesting to see what role Jalen Wilde plays and how that grows throughout his NFL career. Uh, for me, he's more of a threat on the third level um, and man- being manufactured touches on level one. Um, that's going to be something also that's, you know, kind of in his profile. Um, but the target share for him is going to be a question mark, right? How much work is he going to get as a receiver? And what does that work look like? Is it going to be deep down the field, which is what we think it is in terms of his role? Or is it going to be, you know, at the line of scrimmage? And will we kind of see some of those second-level targets sprinkled in as well? Um, but that's a question we don't really, you know, have an answer to. So for me, it's more so of a Deshaun Jackson-type receiving workload for him. Um, and Deshaun Jackson was a very, very good NFL receiver for a bit there. And, you know, he had, you know, he had a couple thousand yard seasons, I believe. So that could be Jalen Waddle, but, um, I think he's another receiver we have to be patient with too, um, for a different reason than Chase. But I think Jalen Waddle is going to have to grow into a, um, a, um, three level threat, um, at the NFL level. So I wish he did not get hurt at all last season because then I'd be able to get a full evaluation and a better profile on him. Just to say, yeah. Exactly. Because I have him among the ranks of former Alabama wide receivers. And let me go down the list as well. Okay. He's got the playmaking ability like Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs, the third. He seems to have Ruggs' speed and Jerry Judy's route running skills. And he has the catching ability of former Crimson Tide wide receiver and current Dallas Cowboys wide receiver, Amari Cooper. Now, the concerns I had with him coming into this season was that he only ran a couple of routes. He did not have a fully developed route tree. He ran shallow crossers, bubble screens, quick slants off of RPOs. You saw it with him, how his chemistry was with was with Tua Tungo Vailoa. And pivot routes back across the middle of the field. And he's a yak monster himself now Deshaun Jackson was great early on in his career with the Philadelphia Eagles but now you know he's he's taking a dip I would have liked to see him more so in an expanded role last year with an increased snap count to see if he could match that Devonta Smith or Jamar Chase type of production at, at, at Alabama I really want to see him run the entire full route tree because he can weave his way through defense's Easily. I mean, this guy's speed is absolutely crazy, and he's a burner as well. Brandon, give me your thoughts on Jalen Water. Do you think the Dolphins are going to select him either at three or maybe in a trade-back scenario? I mean, we've seen some crazy picks, and we've seen some crazy trade in, in recent NFL drafts. So Jalen Waddle falling to Miami at three or, or a trade-back scenario or, or even falling to Miami's second first-round pick, which is pick number eight, number 18. It wouldn't really shock me. I don't necessarily think Miami's probably going to go Waddle's route just yet, just because how how severe was that injury? I mean, we we did see him 
for a bit during the national championship game versus Ohio State, which I was extremely shocked that, you know, the school decided to even activate. I, I, I think the season-ending leg, leg injury of any sort, like remember what happened to a former Georgia running back, Nick, Nick Chubb. That was a brutal knee injury he suffered against ten of Tennessee. Many people thought that that was probably going to be the end of, of Chubb's football career, and he's dominating right now for the Cleveland Browns. So I don't really – it would have to honestly be based off of his summer progression and what he does, you know, pre-NFL draft. I mean, there's only a month and a half away, so there really isn't much time for, for Brian Flores and Chris Greer to figure all this out. But I honestly think that at the end of the day, it's probably going to come down between Chase and, and uh, Smith. But don't forget that the Dolphins really – you take a look at those top – those first 10 picks in the first round – the Dolphins aren't the only team that needs a wideout, right? I mean, you have guys like the Dallas Cowboys who did pitch CeeDee Lamb a year ago, but other teams, the Eagles who, who released Deshaun Jackson, I believe about a week or so ago, you have teams that are in need of a wideout. It's not really just uh, the Detroit Lions as well. Yeah, correct. So, I mean, and again, the, the, the new league year free agency hasn't even started yet. So with guys going in other de destinations, we really – don't really know that yet. That's honestly a better question to ask maybe a little bit after free agency is over because you just don't really know. Like, again, how we mentioned on our last podcast, with the two Dolphins that opted out last year, Alan Hearns and Albert Wilson, are they going to be ready to drill 2021 week one? What will the Dolphins do with those two guys? Now, Angelo, put your general manager cap on. Your Chris Greer. If you could take your pick at wide receiver at the number three position, who would you choose and why? Uh, I mean, for me, I, I'm, I'm going to take Devonta Smith. I think he's the most versatile um, of those three options and offers you, you know, a true three-level threat immediately. I think the people don't understand the Dolphins are potential contenders. You know, they, are, they have a, a good defense. Um, I think if they had Najee Harris at 18, that'd be great as well. Um, I'd love that. Yeah. But I think they're, you know, they have a couple holes to fill, but wide receiver and the play, a playmaker at that position is definitely one of them. And I think Devonta Smith offers you a better floor than Chase does. Um, so if I'm, you know, if I'm Greer, I would take Chase. I, I mean, I would take Smith. I do think they do take Chase. I think Chase is the pick for them at three. I think they're going to like that, um, that he is an alpha type receiver in terms of build. Um, but I think that, Smith is the more polished, well-rounded wide receiver and will contribute at a higher level earlier in his NFL career. Um, yeah, I'll be interested to see what the, the Dolphins do. Um, I, you can't go wrong with either of those two guys. I think they're both going to be fantastic um, NFL wide receivers and, you know, they're, they're great prospects to position. But, yeah, I mean, I think I'm, I'm more interested to see what they do at 18 than That's what three. I'm That's, yeah. I, think, I think we know at three it, it's probably going to be a wide receiver because, you know, to me, it's, it's a two-horse race you know, for the best wide receiver in this class. So they'll be able to get one of those two guys, which is great. So after that at 18, it's, you know, what do you do? If, is Najee Harris there? That's a question that we don't know. I mean, NFL teams can be really high on him and what he can do for their offenses. So he might go sooner than we think. But if he's sitting there at 18, does Flores pull the trigger? Um, I don't know. But uh, I'm interested to see. And it's going to be a fun draft season kind of figuring all this stuff out. Well, here's what I want. Give me Devonta Smith. Because as you said, as Brandon said, and through my scouting evaluation, he's the number one wide receiver in this draft class. He can run every single route. Defensive backs are scared of him. 
because he's a yak monster. He can blaze you with speed. And as you said, he's got amazing balance and great body control that it makes defenders hard to tackle him as well. Pair that up with his chemistry already with Tua Tungabailoa and his knowledge of how to work with a left-handed quarterback. I think Devonta Smith will be the pick at wide receiver. Now, will he be the pick at number three? I don't know yet, but we'll see what happens. Brandon Lagori, as always, thank you. Angelo, before we let you go, give us your Twitter and give us your website so everyone could check that out. Yeah, uh, first, thank you guys for having me. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, it, was, of course, it, it, was, it was fun chopping it up with you guys. But um, you guys can find me at, at Angelo um, underscore fantasy on Twitter and then on my website, angeloanalysis.com. Um, the prospect profiles are dropping weekly. Um, this week, it's going to be Jamar Chase. That should be out tomorrow. That's awesome to hear. Well, Angelo, Brandon, and Finn Maniacs listeners everywhere, have a great day. And fins up, everybody.